actually Elizabeth can actually relate to that <laughs> because she just got news that she's pregnant too, and it's a miracle as well. So if there's anyone on the world, anyone in the world at all, that can actually have a conversation with what's going on in Mary's life, it's actually Elizabeth. <laughs> and she can actually be like, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that same thing happened to me. We're going to have a baby too, and oh my goodness, my baby's the forerunner to your baby, and what is going on? Such great things. And so if you turn to Luke chapter 2, I, uh, as I was preparing, I kind of wanted to um, just see everyone's reaction to the announcement of Jesus Christ coming. Uh, Mary's reaction and um, Elizabeth's and Zacharias and, and the shepherds. And, but I really kind of just got stuck with Mary. So if you turn to uh, Luke chapter 2, we'll start there in verse 1. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1. I kept saying Luke chapter 2. You guys have been doing Luke chapter 2 all morning. I'm on, no? Oh, it's off. Did I ever tell you guys how what Kim told me she was pregnant? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um... So Luke chapter 1, in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Let's look to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much um, just for your gospel. Thank you so much for saving us, Lord. Um, thank you that you are worth pursuing, that you are the God that can actually change us, that you are the God that can change our value system, that you're the God that um, will complete the work even if we're too stubborn to let you do it someday. Lord, uh, thank you so much for loving us so much and being so compassionate that you would come down here to do a job that only you could do. And we just thank you. In your name, amen. Like I said, Mary and Elizabeth, she um, says she kind of went in haste, right? So first of all, what, what is Elizabeth thinking? Because I forget, you know, during this time, there's no texting, no emails. I, I, it would appear Mary just shows up at the door. Shows up at the door, and Elizabeth's like, hey, how are you? And I don't know how that went on. Like, Mary's like, can I stay here for a couple months? And she's like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and and they can sit there and talk about being pregnant. But what happens is um, Elizabeth um, is also filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, she starts verse at, at 45. She says, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And so I think there's, uh, uh, not that Mary didn't believe, obviously, when the angel um, told her she was going to be with child, but now she has a face-to-face, a, -face, a, a family relative that says, listen, miracles are happening here. Th this is of the Lord. This is happening. And so Mary um, starts to have this song. And if you look at um, verse 49, it says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation 
to generation. I think in these two short verses, Mary shows uh, where her belief system is with her Savior. Um, she recognizes God's power. She recognizes God's holiness. And she recognizes God's mercy. She recognizes His power, His holiness, and His mercy. He who is mighty has done great things for me. That word mighty is pretty interesting in the original. It would mean this. Describing what is made possible because of the power or ability exerted by the subject. She's calling him the mighty one. And basically what she's saying is, what is possible because of the power that you have, God? Like, what, because of what I see, who you are, God, what can you do? Because I know you have all this power. And so when we think about sometimes during the Christmas season of, of Jesus and, and him uh, being a babe and things like this, and we also sometimes sit there and, and think, yet this babe is the one that created the world. And we think of all the powerful things of God. Yes, he's the one that created the stars. And yes, Jesus is the one that his disciples say, who is this that even the waves and the wind obey him? And we know the power he has to change people's lives. And we think of Revelation, as we read this morning, of the one on the white horse, when all of Satan and all of his armies are before to have a mighty battle, and he is so powerful that he just speaks one word, and they're all gone. They're done. And you can just think about the mighty power and all the aspects that make our God so powerful and so mighty. And yet the one that I think today, the one that I think I, I want to think about the most is his power to save me. I'm down with the creation power, and I'm down with all the other aspects of being able to defeat Satan and all those things. What I love most is how strong and powerful he is, that he can save me. And by the way, Mary knew this. In verse 47, it says, And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary recognized that she needed a Savior. Mary recognized she had problems. And so in this Christmas time, I've just been reflecting again on how powerful he is that he can save me. And we have said time and time again, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This incarnate Christ was powerful enough to save me. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, he could have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. I don't want to uh, cheapen his mighty power just because he's God and he's kind of be able to, like he should be able to do that. It is an amazing thing 
to be able to justly and righteously have a way where all of our sins could actually be met and paid for. And He could forgive us and save us. He who is mighty has to me done great things. It's interesting that Mary would say, to me he has done great things. And it's one of those verses, again, that I have to put myself in the right time frame. That Mary at this point has no idea what's coming. All she knows is that, yes, what's been prophesied, and, and the angel would actually say he is the Son of God, and he's going to save us from our sins. So she knows some of that. But when she says... He has done great things. What has he done so far for her? <laughs> From the human perspective, I'm not sure. He, the Romans are there in control of Israel. She's poor. She's got to deal with social ridicule. He has done great things for me. He has done great things for me. Now, yes, maybe it's just me and my sinful outlook having that kind of perspective. But I think there's a piece here that Mary is just excited about the fact that it's so personal with her that the Savior, the promised one of Israel, the Messiah, she's going to get to be his mom. I think she feels that she's just so blessed to be able to be physically that close with him. That she knows I get to be there when he's a baby. I get to be there when he's a teenager. I don't know how he's going to save, but I will always be known as his mom here on earth. There's a lot of things she didn't know. But I thought this Christmas season is good for me to reflect on these things again. What has he done for me, regardless of what the future holds? That's why I love the song we sang, Mary, Did You Know? Did she really know that the blind will see and the deaf will hear? The dead will live again. The lame will leap. The dumb will speak the praises of her son. I don't know, but it seems like she's content in this moment to say he has done great things for me. And I am, again, convicted and want to change my focus even during this Christmas that if this life does not change at all for me, that we don't, quote, ever go back to normal 
that our country is flipped upside, whatever you want to call it, that the church gets persecuted, whatever happens in the future, it doesn't matter. Because He has done great things for me. I want to say that I'm at a point in my life where if the rest of my life is absolutely horrible, I'm okay with that. Because I know that He has done great things for me because He saved me. And man, I don't ever want to cheapen my salvation. I am looking forward to heaven. But just in my life here, I'm 42 years old. The things He has done on a practical level for me is enough to carry me through for the rest of the time. The way he showed up, the way he's been faithful, the way he's talked, the way he's brought people into my life, the stories go on and on and on. What he has done for me. What he's done for me. She then says, Holy is his name. Holy is His name. It's another interesting study. If you ever want to check it out, what it really means and, and what she's truly trying to say. She's basically, again, you know, just saying, listen, God, you are worthy of great respect and reverence. You are worthy of great respect and reverence. And again, I'll go back to what I just said. It's funny because of the situation she's in. God has not sent a prophet for 400 years. It's been silence. The Romans are in charge. She was engaged and he was about to put her away, but God intervened there. And she's still saying, you are worthy of great respect and reverence. And you might say to me, James, why would you think like that with Mary? Of course she's not thinking about all those things. Of course she's going to call him holy. Jesus, the Savior of the world, is inside her. She knows things are going to turn around. That's why she can say, holy is your name. Well, I think you're right. And yet, I was challenged again this Christmas season. Have I lessened my respect or my reverence for God this Christmas because everything that's going on? Have I at all lessened my, my thought process of how worthy He is or how much respect he's deserving because of everything that's going on. Because you could say the same thing to me. But you know what? He's inside you. <laughs> he's the promised Savior. And you know eventually things will turn out. Because that's everyone's promise in this room. Just as that baby was indwelling in Mary, Jesus Christ is in every single one of us who have turned 
our hearts towards him and accepted him as Savior. And why would our reverence change at all by what's happening down here on earth? On that song we sang, O Holy Night, I love the chorus where it says, Fall on your knees. hear the angel voices. What were the angels saying that night? Glory to God in the highest. That's the first thing they wanted to say. Next comes peace on earth and goodwill to men. But before we get to that part, before we get to peace for mankind and all that goodness, the very first thing the angels had to say was you give glory to God in the highest. You give Him glory. I get so upset with myself when I lose any kind of adoration or respect or just not being, not having a desire to completely give my life to Him because of circumstances down here. Because He is holy. He's worthy of our respect and honor and reverence. I always loved the story. It said one year when Christmas Day fell on a Sunday, a farmer decided to go to church. Like some people, he thought he was fulfilling his religious obligation by going to church on Christmas and Easter. The sermon that day was preached from the text, The ox knows his owner and the donkey his master's crib, but Israel does not know my people do not consider. Isaiah is saying that man is dumber than animals. After church, the farmer returned home and stood among his cows. One of them began to lick his hand, a practical demonstration of the sermon he had just heard. Strong man though he was, the farmer began to weep as he thought, God did so much for me, and yet I have never thanked him. My cow is more grateful than I am. What do I ever give her other than grass and water? I think practically one of the ways we can just be reverent this year, I would encourage you again, is on Christmas Day, just take time to stop as a family and just read Luke chapter 2. Just take out some time. It's just a simple way to show respect and to show reverence. So you're taking some part of your day, and you just want to have one little part where you think about the Lord's birth. Finally, it says his mercy is on those who fear him. If you go all the way down to verse 54, it says he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Don't forget that the reason Jesus Christ came to earth is because he wanted to show kindness to you. That's all that mercy means. He just wanted to show kindness to you. There's no reason whatsoever that God should be kind at all to Israel after what they've done over the last thousand years. 
merciful, yet his promise and his own character, he will be merciful to them. He will show them loving kindness. So I thought of just showing compassion again this Christmas year to be like our Savior and to just love people. Turn to Luke chapter 6. Here's what Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6 and verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. I remember the first time I read this verse. It was one of those verses that just hit me so hard. He is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. And that's what the Christmas story is all about. Make no mistake. That God in his eternal plan is sitting in heaven saying, okay, now is the time that's been appointed. We're going to go down to the place of the people that we created in the Godhead. And they have been evil and they have been ungrateful and they have been unthankful. And we will be loving and kind to them. That's what we will do. Last year... I uh, I think I might have shared this story, but I just thought it was it's still a story I like to talk about now at Christmas. Is I wanted that um, I wanted to take my kids to a soup kitchen. I wanted them to see maybe the other side of life. I don't know how to even say that, but just people that um, life kind of beat them up a little bit. I want them just you know I want to do that whole moment where maybe. Maybe they could realize, you know, how good they've got it. And so we went uh, to a New Haven soup kitchen, December 23rd, and uh, it's a pretty big room. And uh, my kids are uh, serving some of the food, and, and me and Kim somehow got out of that. That was beautiful. And uh, we were just on the other side of the room, and suddenly a guy just starts going crazy. I ask him for another piece of bread or butter or something. And uh, he's, he's basically yelling at my kids. So Kim is about to, you know, run over there. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. This is the good stuff. Let them, let them deal with this. And so um, it blew up from there. Now my kids were safe. You know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, suddenly there's F-bombs going everywhere. There's people coming out, uh, getting physical trying to kick the guy out and I'm telling you as he's going out there's people swinging on the way out like there's just fights breaking out everywhere and I'm like my kids are behind the table like this oh my goodness so I'm thinking done deal this (laughs) you couldn't have gotten better (laughs) 
for me to be like, now, aren't you grateful? <laughs> um, truth be told, I was like waiting for that moment. I said, guys, what'd you think? And they were like, that's the worst thing that's ever happened. No, we didn't learn anything. We're never going back. But um, the reason I was, I was sharing that story is I really, I, I, I thought of it um, because it, it is a weird situation. If you've never been around it, and, and it, I don't know how to say it without it making me sound like somehow I'm not like them, but it's a different situation. When you're around people who you know are physically sick, who might be mentally sick, who don't have a lot, who, who look different, smell different, all those things, um, and you're in that environment, and you're like, man, whew, like, this ain't my life, and I'm glad it's not my life. That, that's some of the thoughts. And so the reason I say that is what did it look like from heaven's perspective when they're looking down on earth? We must have looked so bad. We must have looked just look so gross. I mean, just all the evil, all the unthankfulness, all that you should have known better. And God was looking down and says, now I'm going to send my son to show you mercy, to show you loving kindness. We should be merciful because our Heavenly Father is merciful. We should be a people that rejoice during this time. When we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, the chorus, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. We should be ex just extremely happy and joyful because God is with us. And he proved that he wanted to be with us by coming as a man in loving kindness. There is no more tender way you could come than as a baby. If he was trying to show through his coming that he was loving and kind, there's no more humble way than to come as a baby. There's no other time in your life where you're more approachable maybe than as a baby. <laughs> Anyone gets to go up to a baby. They have no power to say no. And God put himself in that position completely approachable just to say listen guys I'm doing this because I love you you can read about in first Peter all these things our salvation the cause of our salvation is because of his great mercy he's a motivating force and I just want to remind us again this Christmas there's so much to be thankful for his power in our lives, His holiness, and again, how much He loves us. It is right for us to be merry. I'll close with this. You know that word Merry Christmas, and we always talk about it. You know, the time when that word is used um, in one story is the prodigal son a lot. Where the older father, the, the father's talking to the older brother, and he's just upset. 
And I love the uh, verse where the father says, it is right that we would be merry because he was lost and he's found. This is when we party. This is when we throw a big party. Your brother was lost and he's found. In Christmas time, we should be rejoicing. We should be absolutely joyful because God has come and he's saved us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much for saving us. We are unworthy, and yet uh, we just want to give you honor and respect and the reverence due your name. Who has loved us like you have? Who loves like you love? And you don't just do it in words. You do it in deed. You do it in action. You have set everything up perfectly. You are so powerful that you could save us and that you could change us and that one day those of us who have trusted in you will never sin again. I can't believe how powerful you must be. In order to do that, you are altogether powerful. Who can change the human condition? We are diseased people. But you, you can do it because of that that you are holy you are the only one the only one who could save us and we are willing to do it thank you so much for your love in your name amen